In today's show, it's a crossover edition of the program with Alex Wolf of Locked On Knicks. We talk about Malcolm Brogdon trades, the potential of him heading to New York, and what the Blazers might want in return. Also, we recorded this before the Pascal Siakam trade, so we spent about 90 seconds talking about a future Pascal Siakam trade. That's already happened, but it's still a great episode. Welcome to Locked On Blazers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is crossover time. Locked On Knicks and Locked On Blazers. And you know what time it is. It's trade season. This is why we we got to do this. We got to, you know, talk out some mock trades because when else are we going to get to do this? Well, maybe in the off season. But like right now, we've got like a month, if that to get this done and and have some fun and do some mock trades. And this is honestly one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Uh, of course, I'm Alex Wolf. He's Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers, me of Locked On Knicks. And uh, Mike, let me, uh, I, I think there's one name that really jumps out here that we need to talk about first and foremost. Evan and Malcolm Fournier. Brockton. Oh, okay. <laughs> Evan Fournier. Oh, yeah. Evan Fournier, of course. The the shooting threat that the, the Blazers need right now to uh, save their yeah, season. He's uh, fresh. I'll tell you that. He's fresh. He's certainly he's fresh. fresh. He's got very low mileage this year. You know, can I interest yeah. you in a in a low mileage Evan Fournier? Um, yeah. In, in exchange for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but Brogdon, just for a quick statistical primer, is averaging about 15 points, five assists, three boards this year. Shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three on pretty decent volume, which is a staple for him in his career at this point. Uh, 77.5% from the free throw line. Um, so I guess, Mike, my first thing would just be, uh, what are your thoughts about the Knicks' trade partners here? Because, like, like, what's the market shaping out for as far as Brogdon? Like, as we're recording this, it seems like Siakam is probably going to get traded in the next, like, 24 to 48 hours. Uh things are starting to open up a little bit because the Knicks obviously made the trade for OG, which sort of was like the first foray of trade season. And the Knicks obviously are still going to want to do business, but I would imagine that Portland's probably getting a, a, at least rumored a, a lot of interest for Brogdon right now. Right. Yeah. Thanks to the the magic of the play in tournaments. Uh, there are more teams that buy into the nonsense, right? There's more teams that say like, we, you know what we believe. And then like you see the Lakers make the, you know, a couple play in teams that the Lakers and the heat like make, make deep playoff runs. And it's like, there's reason to believe if we're a veteran team, we can get right. And if we finish, you know, somewhere in the top 10, well, any, anything can happen. So you have, you just have more teams that are like in the mix and while there are some truly terrible teams in the league, uh, including the one that I cover every day on my podcast, the Portland Trailblazers, God bless them. Uh, like there aren't a, there there aren't a ton of sellers, right? It seems like, like you said, Pascal Siakam's a seller, or the Raptors with Siakam's are sellers. It seems like Dejounte Murray in Atlanta, the, the Hawks are going to be sellers. Um, what do the Wizards have to sell? What do the Pistons have to sell? What do the what do the Spurs have to sell? Like, right? They don't have Ness, uh, Doug McDermott, I guess. Like, but it's like and and Bogdanovich, and but is, it, are they going to trade Kyle Kuzma? But you get to you is a pretty is a pretty thin line. So the Blazers are one of the few teams that are going to be sellers. And so I think they are truly motivated to move off Brogdon. Um, I have been saying on my show that they have to trade Malcolm Brogdon. Does the front office feel as strongly as I do? I don't know. But but from my perspective, have to. It is imperative that Malcolm Brogdon is no longer on the roster after the trade deadline. And that's not because he's not a nice fellow. And it's not because he's not a good basketball player. It's precisely because he is good at basketball that he has to go play for another team. The Blazers have young guards 
They got young guards galore. Uh, if, if there's one thing that they have, it's youth that needs to dribble. Anthony Simons, Scoot Henderson, uh, Shane Sharp, who's going to be hurt for a couple, is out for a couple weeks because he's hurt, but he's going to come back and he's better with the ball in his hands. They got to just have a way for all those dudes to play 35 minutes and particularly all those dudes to play at the end of the game. And the way to do that is to trade Malcolm Brogdon. And I think he'll have suitors. Why does he appeal to the Knicks? Uh, so really, they have a rather large Emmanuel quickly sized hole in the bench unit now. Uh, since I there's no denying that the OG trade has made the Knicks a better team. You know, I, sure. I think that that's undeniable. And if they're full strength, like everybody's healthy, whatever, we've seen some cracks now with like, ugh, if one of Brunson or Randall gets hurt, things get pretty rough for a couple games. We've seen it the last two games with Brunson hurt, even with Deuce McBride kind of stepping up. It's like, no, nah, like they, they desperately need someone that can back up Brunson and make it so that Deuce is backing up that person. If right. Brunson gets hurt or whatever, you know what I mean? And I think that's why they're in the market for Brogdon. Like he, it's really ironic because we spent Gavin and I spent most of the last season kind of crapping on Brogdon and being like the, the unworthy six man winner, you know, it should have been Emmanuel quickly, blah, blah, blah. But you know, they pretty much do very similar things. Uh, they, they come in off the, or at least, you know, it, in the role that the Knicks had quickly and obviously similar flavors, play. I would say for sure. Yeah. They're, right. they're not yeah, that similar players, but similar flavor for sure. Exactly. Uh, although one is, you know, like, almost 10 years older than the other, you know, that plays into it a little bit, you know, as far as like what their value is or whatever. But like, I think that really, they just need that creation off the bench. They really need like a third guy that can just like make a, you know, like make his own shot and make shots for others, uh, which Brogdon is, is talented at. He has the pull-up shooting. He has the, the ability to break down a defense and, you know, initiate things more so than Deuce McBride. He's getting better at it, but it's, I don't think he's going to get there at the level that the Knicks would need him to be at, to be just like the full-time backup guard or whatever, or particularly one that could potentially close games with Brunson and all that. Uh, so that's really why the Knicks are in on this. Like they, they need a guy like Brogdon and Brogdon, I think from the Knicks perspective, there's two guys that they're pretty heavily linked to and it's Brogdon and it's DeJounte Murray, who you mentioned already. And I, I think that Brogdon represents sort of the safer choice. And he's a guy that we've been talking about a lot lately, whereas Murray is more volatile, but a potentially higher upside swing, uh, but also one that might cost a little more. So it's like, right. are, you get, are you willing to put a little more in to potentially get a little more out, but also potentially have it flame out horribly like it has in Atlanta? Because, um, you know, people thought that would work out better. And there's all this data that says that he and Trey Young are worse, uh, like the team is worse with them both on the court than with either one of them off the court. And, you know, Brunson, I think, is better than Trey Young, but I, I think that you run into some similar problems as far as, like, who Brunson's able to guard and stuff like that. Even if he's not better, they're not so much different that it would be, like, a totally different experiment, you know, like exactly. in, in the grand scheme. Exactly. You, you want Jalen Brunson to dribble and do stuff and and, and be, the, be the engine. You don't want him to watch. If he watches, he's worse. I mean, that's, that's just the truth of it. Right, exactly. So uh, having gotten about a half – a season with Brogdon so far, I'm going to throw this back to you as far as my little scouting expedition here. Uh, I have noticed that he has the lowest field goal percentage of his career so far this year, second worst true shooting percentage of his career so far. Uh, so I, I can think of explanations for this, given the situation that he's been thrust into. He went from it's a the, contender. It's the simple one. It's the simple one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he went from a contender on the Celtics last year to then getting traded to Portland and essentially, being told don't worry dude we'll find a new team for you at some point like but for now we're gonna hold on to you because we can't we can't do that right this second but so do you kind of mark this up to like 
veteran kind of semi mailing it in on a bad team doing just enough to like show that he still got it? Or do you think he legitimately looks like he's starting to lose a step? Cause he is 31 years old at this point, history of injuries, all that good stuff. But I, I would just, without even hearing your answer, assume it's probably more of the former. He just has bad coworkers. Like he just, he plays on a team with like, it's, it, it's hard to run a pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton who doesn't, pop doesn't roll hard to the rim doesn't pass the ball well out of pick and rolls it's hard to run a pick and roll when the spacers are scoot henderson maybe the worst shooter in the league uh but worst true shooting percentage of any player in the league scoot's gonna be good y'all but he's bad right now um jimani kamara who's who's their starting small forward he, he's a terrible spacer um you know it's just they the offense is bad because they got bad players. Um, they've been the bot, they've been the worst offense in the league all year long. And and Brogdon has felt that effect. Here's one for you though. Malcolm Brogdon on catch and shoot three pointers this year is shooting 52.8%. Play off the ball off of Jalen Brunson, and he makes more than half of his threes. That's on three attempts a game on, on catch and shoot threes. 52.8%. Like I'm not, Drop him into a good ecosystem. And the Knicks are, if nothing else, uh, Tom Thibodeau and late career Tom Thibodeau is a freaking good offensive coach who saw it coming. But like they're that thing whirs when the Knicks get going like that. They are they really can hum on offense with the amount of playmakers they have. And you just stick Malcolm Brogdon off the ball like you need him for the creation stuff and he can do that. But you stick him as an off ball guy watching uh, Jew cook and watching uh, Brunson cook, you're fine. Run handoffs with Hartenstein, you're fine. He's gonna be he's he's gonna be good. He can play on ball. He can play off the ball. He can create a little bit. He's best when you just say go score. Like that's his best skill on offense. But if go score is stand there and be ready to shoot, he's gonna make more than half of them. Yeah, I I uh, the Knicks love guys like that too. For what it's worth, I mean Brunson is one of those guys. He's he's great on catch and shoot as well as creating his own shot. Brogdon would fit into that. DiVincenzo, even he does most of his work in catch and shoot, but he has the ability to pull up and shoot. Like they love guys that can that can do exactly that. Deuce McBride, that's been one of the turning points for him in playing a lot better, is that he's finally unleashing and hitting the shots that he's taken, you know, pull-ups, but also is great at just being able to find a good position on the perimeter. So that's very encouraging. I will say, I think that there would be some opportunity for Brogdon. You know, he's gonna come off the bench, he's probably gonna spell Brunson first shift off the bench. But there, there would be a possibility for him to close some halves. Tibbs does tend to go hot hand uh, late in games, other than like his two big stars. Uh, he he likes to go hot hand and see who's who's playing well. And, you know, oftentimes, sometimes he makes the wrong decision, but oftentimes he'll, he'll be smart enough to be like, hey, this guy's shooting really well, so let's keep him out there. That could mean that he could be sharing the court with Brunson sometimes. So I guess my other question is positionally, I, and I mean, I know you've only had half a season on a, a tanking team here, but what losing, is his just defense? losing naturally? They're not, they'll tank later. Don't worry, they'll tank soon. Right now, they're just losing naturally. Just losing natural natural losses. <laughs> but <laughs> what, defensively, do you like? I know he's a big. He's he's only six foot four, but he is he's a like a built dude. Yeah, he's uh, big. What has been his defensive role this year as far as like what positions he's been able to guard? Because I think more often than not on the Knicks, he'd probably be guarding twos and threes. And I wonder yeah. if that would be an issue or not for him. They typically do have him guard up, actually. They have him guard up because they let Tumani Kamara guard the point of attack um, to guard like the the little speedy ball handler types. So he'll guard wings. Um, even occasionally they've asked him to guard up uh, a little bit on 
power forwards. Like he, he, he weirdly finished a game guarding uh, Kevin Durant because they went small and it was like, okay, you guard Kevin Durant. Now that might be, I'll be honest with you, Alex, that just might be uh, kind of how bad teams are is, is that sometimes they have, they get to, a, they won that game by the way, but it's like they, they, you know, they get to the end of the game and Malcolm Brogdon is their best option to guard Kevin Durant because it's just how it, how it shakes out. But He's guarded Kawhi a little bit. Like it, it's he's not a lockdown defender by any means, but he's competent and competitive. Um, there are times when he looks slow on defense for sure, and I think there's been times this year when maybe his body language has looked like I'm a hostage. But um, I think for the most part, he has been been fine on defense. Like he's 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 been fine on defense. I think he's arguably not even arguably. I think he's probably been the Blazers' best defensive guard. Um, it's not a lot of competition for that spot between Scoot Anderson and Anthony Simons, but I think he's been their best defensive guard. Um, and and for the most part, I think he could guard twos. Like in the in the league, shooting guards aren't scary. There's no there's no scary shooting guards. That's where you hide people, and I think you could be fine hiding him right there. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's come back in in just a sec, and we'll talk about uh, a couple role players that I really dig because uh, I want to. I want to get into some some guys that maybe I don't know if this bargain bin shopping or whatever, but I want to just kind of throw some names out there and see what you think, because I got to see the Blazers in person the other week and I was like, hey, you know, a couple of these guys kind of popped. So uh, I'll talk about that in just a second. Throw a couple more names at you. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at eBay Motors who have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, my man Joshy, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks all season long. So whether you're prepping for daily fantasy or you're scouring the waiver wire for a season-long team, every week right here I'm going to bring you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. It's Portland's own Jabari Walker. Josh notes that Jabari Walker slid into the starting lineup earlier this week as Chauncey Billups changed his changed his starting pairing. Walker replaces Tumani Kamara. He's starting next to Jeremy Grant. He's going to earn a big minute role. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's a bit of a flyer because uh, I don't think the consistent offensive production will be there, and neither does Josh, an expert in these things. All things fantasy matters, but Walker has an opportunity, and there's a chance in the late season as the Blazers kind of really lean into being young, there's a chance that Jabari is the guy that gets that opportunity. So rely on Josh. He's helped me be much more competitive in my fancy leagues. A fancy league, as soon as I started taking his advice seriously and following it closely, and Josh is going to help you win that fantasy championship. eBay, no, eBay Motors knows that a championship team is all about making sure each player is a perfect fit, and it's the same with your vehicle. So with over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you can make sure your ride runs smoothly with eBay Motors. Whether you need brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, baby, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. It's eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. All right, we're back in. And Mike, I got some other names to throw at you because, you know, I don't know, trades, that happens sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you make a trade for OG Ananobi and you get pressure to chew in Malachi Flynn back. And then... You get to have mixed reactions about those two guys that were sort of throw-ins, and then you realize uh, some of the limitations that kind of made them throw-ins. But anyway, one guy that I would love if the Blazers would be willing to throw in to this deal is Ibu Baji. 
I, I got to see I, I love that when you 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 said, hey, I want to do this show. Um, I want to talk about Ibu Baji. Of all the names on the Blazers <laughs> roster, you said, I want, to, I want to make sure we get to, I want to, hey, in the second segment, I want to make sure we get to Ibu Baji. I love it. Tell me, you saw him up close at MSG. You told me he had nice tickets. Tell me about the, the Baji experience you had. Dude, he popped in that game. And I mean, I don't even know what his final stats were, but I think he blocked Randall like four times. <laughs> like me and my friend were literally just sitting there being like, this dude is the Randall stopper. Like if he could stop Randall this many times, like just get him on my team. Like, cause Randall was playing really good at that point. Like he was on a yeah. real heater and Baji just like ate his lunch over and over. And it was kind of hilarious. But also made me go like, I, if the Knicks end up dealing for Malcolm Brogdon and they can get this dude as like a throw in more or less, because he's on a two way deal, right? He's a two way guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a rookie. He was on a two way last year, but he never appeared. He did not make an, his NBA debut. He had a back injury that had kept him out the, most of last season. And then um, the Blazers didn't sign him to a two way coming out of camp. They went another direction. He came back when they made some roster moves. And so he's back. And now, because of injuries to, to Rob Williams and DeAndre Ayton, he's like their regular backup center. He's tw 21. He started playing basketball at about 15. Um, he's the first player to make it from the NBA Africa program to the league. Like, he's a really fun story. Um, he played at uh, Barcelona's like B team, is where he, where he first got to start out of Senegal. And, um, he he pops on defense. He definitely he definitely brings energy on defense. He's he is a rough on offense. Okay, that game though against the Knicks, uh, he finished with four points, seven boards, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. He was all over the all over the place. So you can um, see why he popped, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, this is according to Basketball Reference game score. This is uh, that is the second best game of Ibu Baji's career. So you you literally saw one of the great Baji experiences that you possibly could have. Um, yeah, I I don't know that he could play big minutes in a high leverage game, but I know I think he's more valuable on the on the Blazers where they can like let him kind of run free and lose by 28 to the Knicks and appeal to people uh, appeal to fans in the arena. But but where where do you see him fitting necessarily? Well, so let me paint the picture for you. So okay, I looked at his yeah. stats. So I looked at his stats: two points, four boards, one and a half blocks, three fouls in fifteen minutes per game. Yeah, he fouls truly impressive foul rate. Uh, but honestly, that's about all I would envision him potentially playing for the Knicks at max would be fifteen minutes. And so if he could provide those numbers in fifteen minutes, I think it would be solid because basically all that the Knicks need him to do, Tibbs has more or less said. Isaiah Hardenstein is going to play an obscene amount of minutes uh, yes, he is. for the rest of the season until Mitchell Robinson comes back, which hopefully will be a few weeks before the postseason. Uh, if we're not lucky. June, apparently not. Yeah, not not June. I guess I, I don't know why a team would just be like, let us just send some medical records to the league and see if they approve this thing. At which point we would have to shut down a guy for the season that maybe could come back by the playoffs. And who's sign great, for by the way. Who's amazing, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, he's great. I, I, they they just like wanted to fear monger clearly and just like get the bloggers and the podcasters going crazy for a little bit, which yeah, they did. They, we we freaked yeah. out. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I basically just need a dude that can fill in like 13 minutes behind Isaiah Hartenstein. He could foul as much as he wants. Mostly, he can. You could foul out in 13 minutes. It doesn't matter. I agree. There's no such right. thing as foul trouble if you're a low low minute player. Because Hartenstein like has really reeled his own foul troubles in and maybe could give Baji some good advice. I don't know. Uh, but really, I think that he just does a lot of what Tibbs would want out of that spot. And as much as I hate to plan things around Tibbs, this is a very low 
cost investment in a player that could just give you a serviceable amount of minutes until Mitchell Robinson comes back and give you a player that's just honestly more akin to what Tibbs wants. Cause I just don't think Presh Sachua is that dude. Uh, Tibbs is so reluctant to play him like as little as he possibly can. He puts precious on the court because he's just like, well, you're not big enough and you can't rebound as well, which is false, by the way. He rebounds great, but he doesn't rim protect, which I think is the big thing that Tibbs doesn't really like. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be one of those things where I would just be like, well, okay, we'll throw in an extra second round pick if you're willing to swap two way players. I was going to say like two way guys don't really get traded. It's pretty rare. Uh, They don't count as salary or against the cap or whatever. So it's, it's a, it's a strange, I I, like, I don't know how to value Ibubaji in a trade. I would, I would say, yeah, I'd like, what is your sexiest future second round pick you can offer? Let's, let's go with that or something like that. Um, But I, I, I like, I don't have a good baseline for what, what, what do intriguing but raw two-way guys go for? Like, I don't know. Um, I'll just say, like, if we get when we get to the part where you were actually making trades, now that I know you love them, I will um, really hold your feet to the fire. That's going to be at least an extra first minimum. This, this I, could I, be the mellow I, trade all over again. This yeah, could exactly. be you making me put Mozgov in the deal, man. Just, yeah. Exactly. Mozgov's a deal breaker. If it's <laughs> if it's not Timofey, it's not getting done. Um, they should have waited. It's it's, it's one. <laughs> Oh, I'm still sad about it. Um, I'm curious what happened to Quentin Grimes. What's why is he not in? Why has he fallen out of favor? It appears. So, all right. So the beginning of the year, he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so he rightfully got demoted because Dante DiVincenzo was playing really well off the bench and nobody had any issues with that because it was just like Grimes needs to figure something out here. Like just his confidence was shot. He made a comment to the media being like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I just feel like I feel like I'm not involved in the offense. I feel like I just stand around and wait for the ball that never comes to take shots, you know, whatever. And he, he just in general did not seem super happy with what was going on. That said, I could not blame his teammates for not passing him the ball in the starting lineup because he was just woeful shooting the ball to start the year is really terrible. I, I forget what the percentage was, but you're shooting like in the 20s, which is terrible <laughs> for a dude that looked like he could be shooting in the forties for his career. Um, Then he goes to the bench and he's actually been sort of putting things together again. Now we're to the point where the the, things have flipped. And now Gavin and I, in our most recent show, we're like, this dude needs to play more. Like, why are you playing Josh Hart at the two? when you have a Quentin Grimes sitting right there shooting three or four from three in this game. uh, And you're limiting him to 16 minutes. Uh, The big thing that came out today that sort of, uh, I think Gavin and I are going to cover a little more in another show, but uh, news that came out today is that Quentin Grimes uh, is apparently being shot pretty heavily by the Knicks now. So my tinfoil hat theory is that at this moment he's playing better, which they're using to sell him to other teams potentially for a deal for, I, I thought he was great last year. Like I thought he was going to oh, be yeah. a really good role player. Right? The oh, defense, the, the yeah. defense, the shooting, the, just like, um, yeah, he like the sort of just the feel on both ends. Like I, I'm, I'm, I was a big Quentin Grimes believer. And then, um, all of a sudden it's like, he's just, he's out of it and he's, yeah. he's not, I mean, when you sign, when you get, you know, big ragu and Josh Hart, like those are Josh Hart is the most Tibbs player imaginable. So he's obviously going to play more than, than Grimes. Cause he's like quintessential grown in a lab Tibbs guy. But yeah, if, if I were picking like, Hey, which Nick's role player would I like thrown in this deal along with, um, the salary of a certain Frenchman, give me Q. I would, I would, I would love Quentin Grimes. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole difficulty there becomes 
I hope that he's not treated as a throw in because I would suck. Like he, yeah. this is a guy that on one leg shut down Jimmy Butler in the playoffs last year. And suddenly that's just kind of gone out the window in favor of, I, I I don't know. Tibbs doesn't like him or something. So they're willing to just, well, you know what? Come move West young man, move West yeah. young man. I'm sure that he would like being somewhere where he could get tons of playing time and probably lots of shots because like you said, they, the Blazers have a shooting problem and he's got a shooting solution uh, right there in his, in his uh, right arm. So I don't know. Uh, uh, but you know what? I think we've reached the logical point where it's time to start. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's negotiate some trades. Yeah. So let's take our, let's take our last little break here and then we'll come back in. We'll talk, we'll talk through some deals and mock GM this thing up. Today's show is also brought to you by prize picks as daily fantasy made easy. It's a fun way to get involved in daily fantasy sports, whatever it is you're looking for. They have it like the NBA or the NHL or the NFL and how it works is you pick an entry between two and six players on each one of your entries. And all you're doing is picking more or less than the stat projections set by prize picks no field no sharks just you versus those numbers so if you if you're like me and you play the nba then it's things like points rebounds assists and steals and you say more or less than the stat projection set by prize picks and then you win your money and right now if you're a first time user you can get up to a hundred dollars in a first deposit match when you visit prizepicks.com and use that promo code locked on nba Go to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code locked on NBA. They'll match you dollar for dollar on your first deposit up to a hundred bucks. So whatever you're feeling comfortable putting in the first time, they'll match you dollar for dollar up to that $100 mark. It's prize picks daily fantasy made easy. All right, we're back in. It's time for the mock trades. And uh, I didn't even get to talk about Matisse Thibel yet, but maybe I'll try and sneak him in here but yeah the uh, money's gonna be hard to make Thibel work but i i he would be valuable for the knicks he's such a good defensive playmaker he's such I a know. good defensive I, playmaker. I love that dude i i've loved him since college i understand he has some some uh issues like shooting the ball but he's been really good shooting the ball really good shooting the ball in a portland trailblazers jersey whether he can shoot a ball in another jersey we'll see but with the blazers he shot it well Shot He's got the really same well. the same thing going on that Hart had going on there. What is it about the Blazers that turns guys that have been good defensive players and middling shooters for their whole career into Ray Allen on the the Blazers, <laughs> and then they go to another team and they shoot their normal percentage again? Well, the, the second half season, the first half season of Josh Hart, he was magic. The second half season prior yeah, to the Knicks, so he was yeah, yeah he struggled <laughs> struggled a little before bit. last but, year. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, in. In 22 games last year, Thibel shot 39% from three. In 37 games this year, 37% from three with the Blazers. On, on like, in, on like Yeah, he's shooting uh, across 59 games, 37.8% from three. He's an above-average shooter on almost four attempts a game. Like, he could yeah. shoot. Um, he doesn't do a lot else on offense, but he's such a good defensive playmaker that if you make more, if you are above-average three-point shooter, you are you're a player like you can help almost any team if the Knicks had one more mid range salary to make the money work I think you ask for Thibel and you throw in extra picks and make it happen but I don't know that they do they just need presses to chew it he just needs to make eight million dollars not four uh, yeah. that's really that's the trick here um so I think we know the framework of the deal right yeah. it's Malcolm Brogdon for Evan Fournier that that money works like that you can just make that deal no problem um the question is like what the Knicks have picks to give up right they have they have several first rounders my issue if I'm the Blazers and I guess I am for this for this uh for the purposes of, of this exercise the uh the the Knicks have four 24 first round picks is that right sort of not really because they're, uh, they're protected. 
Let, let me give you the let me give you the the, the quick cliff notes on those picks. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The Knicks have eight first round picks they can trade. They have okay. uh uh four all of their swaps available. So I think four swaps as well. So they could potentially do up to twelve picks and swaps in in any given deal. Uh, they have all their own first round picks going forward. They also have Milwaukee's uh pick in twenty five, or yeah, twenty five. Uh, which is top three or four, or top four protected. If it falls within the top four, I think New Orleans gets it, uh, which okay. it won't. So the Knicks will get it. Uh, so yeah. that's basically a guarantee. Um, and then they have the uh, Dallas pick this year, which is top 10 protected and then top 10 protected once more next year. If it somehow doesn't convey again, if they, if everything goes to hell and they uh, tank again blatantly this year and don't get punished nearly enough by the league, uh, like last year, tanking's and... cool. I'm, I'm t- I have no problem with tanking. Losing on purpose is actually what smart, well-run franchises do. That's true. But that in, is true. In any case, in any case, uh, the Knicks never did enough of it, which is why, <laughs> which is why they had to get really lucky in free agency. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so they have that pick, which is almost guaranteed to convey this year. And then the other two picks, they have one from Washington and one from Detroit. Uh, the Detroit one will not convey sooner than like 2026, uh, because. That thing is protected top 18 this year, I think, and then top 14 next year, and then like top 10 the year after that. And I think it's top eight the year after that. That's that's the earliest I could possibly see that pick conveying just with the state of things there right now. Uh, Washington picks similar, although not quite as bad. I think it's lotto protected this year, top 10 next year, and then like top six or something or top seven, something along those lines. And then I think after that point, it turns the Washington one turn it turns into two second round picks and the Detroit one turns into one second round pick, or maybe I'm flip-flopping those. But either way, they're they're pretty well protected and probably won't convey for at least two more years. It right. Be because bad. those teams are truly bad. Truly um, bad. They would need a lot to turn around for them. Yeah. yeah the, I didn't realize the, the Detroit pick is that I think is the Jalen Duran trade. So they that's they're maybe not even gonna end up getting they'll be they'll be bad enough to never actually trade trade that pick for Duran. Um yeah, so uh, so they don't really have multiple picks or they don't have four picks in 2024 because they're not going to end up with no, those. Definitely um, not. They have two picks. But you could tr- they could trade the rights to future picks in 2026 from bad teams, which I think appeals to me more than the Blazers have their own pick, which is going to be good. They're, it, right now, it's fi- the fifth. They have the fifth, fifth worst record in the league. So and they have the Warriors pick um, and the Warriors are famously in great shape and not totally not totally on fire right now they have the 10th worst record of the league um so like the blazers might have two top 10 picks might have two lottery picks like they're i don't think in this draft you want to load up on like how many top 17 picks can we possibly get um i i think the value for the blazers would be a future shitty pick like what's the worst team so that's why i'm saying like maybe you say maybe the blazers ask for that washington pick they say okay Give us the give us the Wizards pick because maybe it won't convey for two years, but we think the Wizards are going to be you know the eleventh best team when it's top ten protected or eleventh worst team when it's top ten protected in three years, and we're comfortable with it. Um, are there any picks that you wouldn't put on the table, or would you want to be protected more? Or is that totally cool with you? I, I would maybe say like I mean just for the nature of the NBA where everything turns over every two years and you never know what things are going to be. If you were like, Hey, I want the Knicks like 2028 pick unprotected. I'd be like, eh, you know, let's maybe right. 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 right, Yeah. Maybe instead. How's that? Cause I know what's going to happen this year. I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen in 2028 and I'm not desperate like the Lakers or something where I have to trade that. 
so that that would probably be my only thing. But if it came down to like that Washington or Detroit pick, I'm all about that, honestly, because I think that that you're right. I do think that benefits a team like like the Blazers more, where hopefully if things go right in two years or so, you'll be looking and saying, okay, now it's time to load up on the role players because hopefully we've hit on the draft a couple times and like have that core. Scoot Henderson is developing, you know, like like all these guys are kind of figuring their stuff out. And now we're trying to just hit on those role players, so then we can, you know, okay, see it up, you know, and like yeah, exactly. And and if and then you pick in the teens, exactly less pressure and all that stuff. Sure. It's guys are cheaper, all those things. Yeah. So I, I think I think it would be centered around that pick and Fournier. Sure. Um the the question is like, do would you throw in Quentin Grimes if you're the Knicks? Or would you would you want something back? I see. I think that based off how the Knicks are operating right now, and this is this is based off the OG trade. I think that they're treating. I think that they would treat Grimes like a pick. So, if your offer that you come to the Knicks with is, "Hey, Team X is offering us, you know, a uh, uh, salary plus a first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. So we'll instead, but you know, maybe the salary is like a two year salary or something. So like, Oh, we'd like it better if it expires. So you get, you know, Fournier is a great, great option for that, for a team that wants to just, you know, avoid any salary tax implications and just clear a bunch of salary and just run with some young dudes. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the Knicks could then say, okay, well you can have that Washington pick or whatever it is. That makes you happy. Cool. And very similar to the Josh Hart deal last year, then where it's just like, right. You know, you trade reddish. Who's, not turned into much since then. And, you know, that was pretty much it. It was like that in the first round pick and that's it. Um, it, the thing that would make Grimes potentially be in the deal would be if there was credible other teams being like, we'll give you two first round picks. And then the Knicks, I think maybe then would be inclined to say, because they're still keeping all this powder dry because they're still, you know, Brogdon might even be involved in this. They're still keeping their mind open to like a, Joel Embiid trade or something like if things hit the fan in Philly at the end of this year. Ogden is helpful for that. If nothing else, he makes $22 million next season. Like it'll be valuable to have that big salary slot. Or he would be huge, a huge, great sell to, for example, Cleveland, who if they, if Donovan Mitchell says, Hey, I want to go to New York so well right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's playing so well, they're playing well, you know, like, so it's, but that's the whole point. Like they have a young core that's already playoff ready. So they would be like, we don't want to like blow this up. Like, you know, we would like to get a player back. Then the Knicks would, you know, be like, oh, well, here's Brogdon or here's DeJounte Murray or whoever. Like you guys could still be competitive. And and like Fournier, you need the money. You need the money to make it work. And having 22 million tradable, $22 million in tradable salary is, has some real value there. So, yeah. So. I wouldn't quibble over if 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 there was no Grimes. Like I, I would well, want. Well, essentially, what it would come down to anyway. Sorry, I I got yeah. the rail. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what it would come down to is like what the OG trade taught me is that they gave them. Well, they gave okay. They gave the Pistons second round pick this year, which I guess is sort of like a late first round pick if you want to look right. at it that way. Although I don't, because you get a lot less. You get a lot less locked in team control. Yeah, you end up losing Jalen to the Knicks. Yeah. Um, right. Exactly. So, I think that they're. They got out of that deal giving up so little draft capital when, like, allegedly Toronto was looking for, like, two, three first-round picks for OG. They got out of it for zero first-round picks. I think that the reason that that happened is because they valued quickly as, like, a first-round pick or two and used him in that deal instead. I think that's what they're doing with Grimes now. So I think what would happen is if Portland came to them and said, well, Team X is offering us two first-round picks, but 
instead, like if the Knicks were then like, well, we don't want to trade the first because we want to save those for the star trade. We'll give you Grimes instead. And then Portland was on board with that because they're like, well, we want to get some talent in here right now and get them starting to play together and gel together and stuff. Then I think the Knicks would maybe do that. But it, it would take another team. Yeah, and I don't think someone's going to I don't think you're going to get two picks for for Brogdon. So I think I think what it's probably I think the most likely and why I don't love the Knicks as a trade partner is cuz the most likely deal is the obvious one. It's yeah. Fournier and a pick. And why that's while that's fine and reasonable return, like the Josh Hart return is a is a pretty reasonable return for uh uh for for what Malcolm Brogdon is, right? Like he's a good solid rotation NBA player that's going to help a good team win just like Josh Hart is. But like if I'm the Blazers, I want Quentin Grimes. I want a young, I want a young something to make it work. So while I think this trade is very realistic, and I think this might even be how it could end up going down this way, if I'm in, if I'm in charge, that's like what I would be, I would be, I don't know, demanding. I would be requesting, say, hey, kick in Quentin Grimes. We'll throw you a future second round pick for your troubles that you can trade down the line, and uh, and and because that's that's what we actually want. We actually want a player. Um, you know, a young player that we's under team control that we can move forward with who we think who at least this fake GM values pretty highly. Yeah. I guess the only thing from the Blazers perspective that maybe would like make Grimes slightly less appealing is you do have to make a decision about paying him pretty soon. Like he right. actually, it, it's, it's crazy. Like he doesn't feel like he's been in the league this long, but this is his third year. So this, yeah, you have that, to pay him next summer. Right. Yeah. If you if you choose to, or you could do what the Knicks just did with quickly and just be like, oh, forget it. We'll we'll figure it out later. You can <laughs> restrict yeah. free agency, and or we're just going to trade you. Um, so yeah, that's that's the only thing. Like, but I think that if it came down to that, if I were Leon Rose and like Portland was coming to me and saying, well, we only have deals for first one first round pick on the table, then Rose is going to be like, okay, we can get one first round pick from us then, <laughs> like. <laughs> congrats that's it we don't really have anyone that's like a throwing young player maybe if you, maybe i could be convinced to be like uh jericho sims okay I mean, yeah I like it's, it, that's what i was thinking like jericho or precious and precious is probably not it does not not that appealing to me i don't think he has a ton of a ton of upside it's fi yeah. fine totally fine player terrible hands if he could catch he'd be a different yeah. basketball player um and sims i just i don't rate very highly so i I think the easiest way to get this done is to keep Grimes out of it and say Fournier and the and the Wizards pick and and wash our hands of this. Even though, like again, for my listeners, I'm not super excited about this deal. But in the if we if we have to agree on something, I think this is the way we agree on we All agree right. on it. I would be shopping though. I'd be I'd be hitting the phones shopping after talking to the oh, Knicks. Yeah. Dude, absolutely. I mean, I would too, I, and I'm sure that Portland is going to. Uh, but yeah. maybe the maybe the past. Uh, Past dealings will uh, right. ultimately be enough to kind of convince these guys to just deal with each other again. But exactly, either way, I think we found the answer here, which is basically the the it'll be the easy choice here. Uh, last thing that I'll close on: if you were going to pick on a scale of one to ten, how likely you think it is that uh, the Knicks and Blazers do business during during this uh, this trade season? What do you, what do you think the odds are? Six and a half. Yeah, which I I'm think is pretty high. I I have a fairly high level of confidence, but not. I wouldn't put it out of lock because I think Brogdon has enough interest around the league that he could go that, that they could talk to several teams. I'm at about a six because I think that I think that whether the fans like it or not, I think I I think that Brogdon would be the backup plan for the Knicks. And I do think I just have this feeling that they're going after DeJounte Murray and that Grimes is probably involved in that. And that's why all of a sudden we're seeing a report today about. The Knicks are shopping Grimes. Oh, wait, didn't Atlanta have interesting Grimes like yeah. last year? Like, hmm, like put the dots together there. 
I think that's the direction they're trying to go. But thanks again to Alex for joining me on the program. A fun discussion, Malcolm Brogdon, the Knicks, and all things trade season. Uh, the Blazers play the Indiana Pacers tonight in Portland. The kickoff road trip Sunday against the Los Angeles Lakers. That will be game 42 of the season, meaning the next time you hear my voice, we will be officially past the halfway point and into the second half of the Blazers' schedule. So uh, Monday's show uh, come out Monday in your video feeds and late Sunday night in the audio feeds. If that's where you catch me, we will talk. We will recap both those games against the Pacers and the Lakers. And then we will do a midseason check-in of sorts. Don't miss it. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. It's what we do five days a week, wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. 